3: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry, And I'm Tracy B. Wilson. Hey, you know
0: what I know? What? Everybody loves pirates. Everybody does love pirates. Uh, we mentioned in our last episode that we're doing some things a little bit different and, and doing several update episodes in a row. It's, a, it's my fault. What is, you know, Trace is a busy lady. I have a little
2: time that I'm taking off work. And this, this, so we are doing this so that we continue to have
0: episodes while yeah. I'm gone. And listener Andy pointed us to a story in Smithsonian Magazine's February 2014 issue, which was called The Last Days of Blackbeard. It's by Colin Woodward, who has written four books, including The Republic of Pirates, being the true and surprising story of the Caribbean pirates and the man who brought them down. Uh, and that one's also the basis for the NBC show Crossbones, which stars John Malkovich as Blackbeard. And that premieres shortly uh on May 30th of 2014.
2: So in this article, which we will link to in show notes, Woodward writes about some of the newest discoveries about Blackbeard. And these have been gleaned from lots of archaeological and archival research. So uh, intrepid people crawling through archives, reading all kinds of shipping documents and manifests and Basically, police reports (laughs) from the 18th century have discovered new things about the life and death of Blackbeard. One of these stories was actually unearthed in 2008, and it involves the last two prizes. Prizes is maybe a generous word, but the last two ships that Blackbeard took uh, before his final battle and death. Which took place on November twenty second, seventeen eighteen,
0: and these were two French merchant ships, La Toison d'Or and uh, the Rose Emily. And Blackbeard took them with a feint. He and his crew surprised and overwhelmed the crew of one in order to turn it against the other.
2: Yeah, he faked like he was going at one of them, and then speedily made a turn and went to the other one instead. Yeah, took it over, and then used both ships to go back after the first one. This all happened on August 23rd, 1718, and that was about three months after the incident outside Charleston that Katie and Sarah talk about in our original episode on Blackbeard. At this point, he had already grounded the Queen Anne's Revenge, and so he was doing all of his raiding in one of his sloops. And so he did this, you know, two-ship simultaneously heist with a much smaller vessel than the ships that he was taking
3: over
0: and Woodward's article also supports the idea that Blackbeard never actually killed anyone, which is a, a much discussed element of this historical figure's life, uh, at least not until that last bloody battle in which his throat was cut. He also writes about how Blackbeard got the Queen Anne's Revenge in the first place and what happened to its original cargo of slaves. And he fills in a three-month gap in Blackbeard's known history, which is just after King George I declared a pardon for all pirates who surrendered by September of 1718.
2: The two prevailing theories were that he made a name for himself in the Gulf of Mexico as the Great Devil, uh, and that he just basically laid low for a while to avoid capture. Woodward found handwritten papers in the British archives confirming that it was the former. Uh, Probably he was in pursuit of the South Seas Company's flagship, the Royal Prince.
0: And there's a lot more detail about Blackbeard's last days in Woodward's article. And we'll link to that article in the show notes.
2: Yeah, we didn't want to just basically summarize an article for your benefit (laughs) in its entirety. Uh, as this update. We also got an email from a listener named Carrie following the first of our Unearthed in 2013 episodes. And in that episode, we talked about the announcement from the Underwater Archaeology Branch of the North Carolina Department of Cultural Resources. And uh, they announced that they were intending to salvage every single scrap of the Queen Anne's Revenge by the end of 2014, which is this year. Carrie, let us know that they had already brought up more than a quarter of a million artifacts, and a lot of them are now preserved and on display at the North Carolina Maritime Museum
0: in Beaufort. And we'll take a little and break here before we go to the original episode. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Products that come in paper-based packaging those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times so why wouldn't you go papertarian learn more at howlifeunfolds.com papertarian
2: so now we're going to turn you over to katie and sarah with our original episode about blackbeard which originally came out in 2009.
3: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert. And I'm Sarah Doughty. So, Katie, I've always really liked
4: pirates. In high school, my friends and I used to have kind of good pirate jokes. I don't go to conventions <laughs> or anything like that. No, no, no. I actually haven't even been a pirate for Halloween. but I have. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I do like them a lot. And, of
3: course, one of my favorites is Blackbeard. Well, I've got you covered because the one Halloween I was a pirate and then this past Halloween I was Abraham Lincoln and wore a big black beard. But mine did not have candle wicks in it, unlike Blackbeard. Blackbeard was one of the most feared pirates in history. And
4: it's no wonder with the smoking fuses and the sashes full
3: of pistols and cutlasses. Six pistols across the chest. He definitely mastered the art of intimidation. And he did a lot to keep that reputation up. He wanted people fearing him, although we don't have any evidence that he ever killed anyone who wasn't trying to kill him. But when you're a fearsome pirate, that's not exactly the kind of rumor you want to spread around. No, so.
4: the intimidation kind of saves you a lot of work. You you just fire a few warning shots and the ship gets handed over to you. You don't have to go through the trouble of actually fighting and swashbuckling.
3: So every story that spreads around, like Blackbeard slicing off a passenger's finger when he wouldn't give him his ring, that all builds up to the great Blackbeard legend.
4: But of course, Blackbeard wasn't always a pirate, and he obviously had another name. He was born probably in Bristol, England, although that's debated, around 1690, as Edward Teach. Or possibly Edward Thatch, no one's quite sure which will be a theme in Blackbeard's life. Somebody who's so surrounded in legend, there's going to be a lot of conflicting information about him. So Teach enlisted as a privateer for the British in the War of Spanish Succession, which went from 1701 to 1713. Privateers were right on the cusp of legal. The British government obviously wanted to have as big of a navy as possible, but they could enhance it a little bit with privateers, which were allowed to sack French and Spanish ships and take a share of the booty for themselves, which would help you develop your pirating skills. But of course, the war comes to an end eventually, and privateers are no longer allowed to go around sacking French and Spanish ships. And there
3: are a lot of people out of work, and some of them end up turning to piracy. And the golden age of piracy was the late 17th to the early 18th centuries. And as far as America goes, there have been a bunch of laws passed by the British Parliament which had made smuggling something that was a bit more desirable because British imports were so expensive. British taxes. Right. You could buy things so much cheaper from a pirate than you could from them. So they would attack merchant ships carrying grain, molasses, rum, rope, tools, ammunition, pretty much everything and go ahead and sell it to the colonists. And because North Carolina's outer banks have shallow sounds and inlets, it was a pirate's favorite hideout place, which is where Blackbeard established his home base. But that wasn't until 1718, and before that he had to get in some more pirate training. He
4: did, and he did that with Captain Benjamin Hornigold in the Caribbean. So in Blackbeard's sort of apprenticeship, almost, with Hornigold, they depart together and plunder a bunch of Spanish and British ships of uh, their cocoa and cordwood, sugar, rum, molasses, all of these useful things.
3: It's not, not so much the gold treasure and jewels we know, Which, of course, is what you think of when you think of Blackbeard buried treasure, but you might just be finding rum and sugar instead.
4: Yeah, and uh, during this time Teach gets his first captaincy of a small sloop, and then the big guns come out when Hornigold's fleet attacks a French slave ship called the Concorde that was bound for Martinique. And Teach makes this his flagship and renames it Queen Anne's Revenge.
3: And it only had 14 guns to start with, so he added a bunch to make it up to 40, because, you know, you need your guns when you're a pirate. It's more than 80 feet long, there are three masts, and he also installs a cannon. And
4: Teach probably took this ship with his classic intimidation methods rather than a bloody fight. It's likely he just fired some warning shots and hoisted up the pirate flag and, you know, the guys surrender. They don't want any trouble with Blackbeard. But the captain of the Concorde also reported when he got back to France that Teach gave him a sloop to finish transporting his cargo of slaves, which I was surprised to hear that. I always imagined pirates making you walk the plank right. and...
3: But that sounded very gentlemanly, we thought. And Hornigold couldn't be Blackbeard's teacher forever because after the war, the British government wanted to get rid of all their pirates. So they got an officer named Woods Rogers and hired him as the governor of the Bahamas and told him he'd better get rid of the pirates. So he said he would grant pardons to pirates who agreed to walk the straight and narrow. And Hornigold is one of the ones who agreed. And he became a pirate hunter.
4: But that's okay with Blackbeard by now, because he's really struck off on his own and starts patrolling the Virginia and Carolina coasts
3: for his reign of terror from 1716 to 1718. So we've already mentioned that the Outer Banks is a fantastic place for pirates just because of how it's designed. But it was also a great place for Blackbeard himself because he met a lovely corrupt politician by the name of Charles Eden there who would allow him clemency in exchange for very generous bribes so in addition to the excellent
4: geography of North Carolina and the corrupt governor um, he's blackbeard actually ends up being kind of a folk hero the people of North Carolina they're not the wealthy rice growers or tobacco growers like South Carolina or Virginia so they're more okay with this deal where they get essentially duty free goods from Blackbeard in exchange for, for sort of letting him letting him hang in the Outer Banks, and he, the folk hero stuff also comes from Blackbeard's challenge to the oppressive authority. He's lauded for sticking a hot poker into the eye of a British official, which sounds pretty awful.
3: But I feel that like that's a running theme in all the stuff that we've done about gangsters and outlaws in any way. Part of it is public opinion of them being the hero, who's the only one who's willing to go up against corrupt authority.
4: But it also seems that that opinion always turns <laughs> at some point. The, the outlaw does something which just... Pushes the reputation over the edge. And for Blackbeard, this is in May 1718
3: in Charleston.
4: So with four vessels and as many as 400 pirates, Blackbeard captures eight or nine ships coming into and out of Charleston over about a week. And he holds the crews of the ships hostage along with their passengers. And passengers, their kids on board, women on board... And uh, Blackbeard demands a chest of medicine in exchange for the lives of his passengers. But Charleston takes a while to pony up.
3: Yes, and in the meantime, the pirates have decided they're not going to get it, and they've set all the citizens up to be hanged. Like, preparations are underway. They're about to die. And Charleston eventually comes up with the ransom and gets their people back, but not before the pirates have taken all of their... Clothing and jewelry. Yeah,
4: they returned returned to shore almost naked as the outraged uh, description is sent back to England. <laughs> but all this goes down pretty quickly, and within a week of the Charleston hostage situation, the Queen Anne's Revenge is grounded on a sandbar near the entrance to present-day Beaufort Inlet. And it's likely that Blackbeard beached this on purpose. He knew how to sail a ship and how to scurry around through the outer bank. So it's unlikely that he would accidentally ground his ship. Um, And it's possible he was considering some kind of retirement or at uh, at least trying
3: to disman this group of 400 pirates and break them up a little bit. Some people say he marooned a bunch of pirates on one of the sandbars when he left and then took provisions from one of the other ships and got out of there. In addition to the blockade at Charleston, Blackbeard by this point had captured something like 50 ships, and he was also charging tolls for other people's ships to make it through Pamlico Sound. So things were beginning to come to a head. And while North Carolina and Charles Eden were pretty okay with the pirates... Making money off the whole situation. Right. The rich Virginia planters and South Carolina planters were not. And they appealed to the governor of... Virginia, Alexander Spotswood, to do something about it.
4: And he engages Lieutenant Robert Maynard of the Royal Navy to hunt down Blackbeard. And it's not as hard as it sounds
3: to find Blackbeard. He, he's, <laughs> you know, you'd think it would be difficult to find a pirate, right? Not if he's throwing the biggest pirate party known to man on Ocracoke Island, which I would kind of like to be invited to. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It might sound more fun than it really was. Drinking, womanizing, and pirates (laughs) from all over the world were invited to come. And come they did, and made a complete spectacle out of themselves. So during this drunken pirate shindig,
4: Maynard shows up with his sloops, intending to kill or capture Blackbeard. And the pirates are aware that Maynard is there, but they're trapped between this island and a sandbar, so they prepare themselves over the night. And while I say Blackbeard was very
3: calm, his pirates were starting to get worried. Yeah, they were freaking out a little bit. He kept drinking. Everyone else went out and put sand on the decks in case there was blood, and soaked blankets and water in case there were fires, and began preparations for battle.
4: And Teach only has 20 men, too, while Maynard has about 60. But Teach's main advantage here is mounted weapons on his sloop, which is called the adventure. So in the morning, everyone's kind of expecting Teach to try to make a getaway. Instead, he waits, and Maynard's men start to approach. And then at the last minute, Teach just shoots off to a little winding channel. That's Which r- no one else saw. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's right by a sandbar. And Mannard's men all get stuck. But Mannard's a pretty good captain, and he tells everybody to start throwing extra supplies overboard. And so they lighten right. the ships enough that they're able to sail free. And Mannard recounts that Teach... Drank damnation to me and my men, whom he
3: styled cowardly puppies. (laughs) An insult I enjoy. Is that going to be your
4: new insult? It is. Calling someone a cowardly puppy. Actually, (laughs)
3: beware. And at this point, Blackbeard's crew is bombarding Maynard's ship with iron scraps and nails from the guns, basically everything they've got. And so Maynard and his men go and hide below deck, all tricky-like.
4: And because the ship is so quiet after this bombardment, there are even grenades involved... Teach thinks that they're dead, and the pirates board the ship, Blackbeard included, and all of a sudden, Maynard's men rush out. They're alive. Surprise. <laughs>
3: the gotcha moment.
4: <laughs> and Teach and Maynard go to a face-to-face battle that actually gets written about in the London papers, and it's really it, it looks like it should be in an action movie. It, Maynard's I'm sword is sure it is, will be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, if it hasn't already, Maynard's sword is bent. He shoots Blackbeard. Um, Blackbeard survives after being shot, and obviously, guns are—they uh, put a big hole in you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of Maynard's men jumps in, kind of at the last minute of this brutal fight between these two men and slashes Blackbeard's neck and um, I don't know how he did this with a with a bloody slash neck but Blackbeard apparently says well done lad (laughs)
3: it may be apocryphal, but it's still a good detail. (laughs) But when he died, he'd been shot multiple times and stabbed multiple times and kept fighting until the very, very end. And Maynard's man actually cuts off Blackbeard's head, which is strung up on the ship as a warning to other pirates. And Maynard searched and searched for Blackbeard's treasure, as people have been doing for years. But all he found were supplies and letters. And during the fight, eight of the other pirates were killed. Some cried for mercy, and some were arrested, and they were brought to trial, and all but two were hanged. So the pirates didn't get off so easily either. And this was pretty much the end of piracy, or at least the golden age of piracy. That was November 22nd, 1718, when Blackbeard was killed.
4: So in addition to the legend about the treasure, there's another pretty amazing one about Blackbeard's skull. So his head is hung up on the ship, but what happens
3: to the skull?
4: Maybe it
3: went to the University of Virginia.
4: (laughs) (laughs) There's a legend that says the skull was dipped in silver and kept by the university where fraternity members were once required to drink from it upon their initiation. I have a great grandfather who went to the University of Virginia and now I'm
3: starting to wonder, (laughs) was he in a fraternity? I don't know. As a former member of the Greek system, I salute you, UVA, for a, (laughs) a great rumor. You can actually go visit Blackbeard Island. It was acquired by the Navy Department and then in 1924, was made a preserve and breeding ground for wildlife and birds. You can only go there by boat, which I I feel is fitting.
4: Quaint now, isn't it? It
0: is. (laughs) When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. You can do so at history podcast at discovery.com. Uh, you can visit us at facebook.com slash mist in history, on twitter at mist in history, at mist and on pinterest.com slash mistinhistory in history, where we love to pin. Uh, you can also visit us at our website, which is mist in And if you would like to learn a little bit more about pirates, you can go to howstuffworks.com and type in the word pirates in the search bar, and you will get an article called How Pirates Work, which is quite a fun read. Uh, And you can learn about that as well as almost anything else you can think of at HowStuffWorks.com. And we hope that you do. For more on this and thousands of other topics,
3: visit HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Netflix streams TV shows and movies directly to your home, saving you time, money, and hassle. As a Netflix member, you can instantly watch TV episodes and movies streaming directly to your PC, Mac, or right to your TV with your Xbox 360, PS3, or Nintendo Wii console, plus Apple devices, Kindle, and Nook. Get a free 30-day trial membership. Go to www.netflix.com and sign up now.
1: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit dexcom.com slash compatibility. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more
0: the Motor Racing Network.